Hi, it's Hotel News Now. Stephanie Ricca here with STR's Isaac Colazzo and co-stars Jan Freitag for another episode of Tell Me More, a hospitality data podcast. Hi, guys. Hey, Steph. Hey, Stephanie. So for this episode, we're recording at the Hotel Data Conference in Nashville, the 15th annual Hotel Data Conference, which has been, dare I say, a pretty busy and bustling event, which could be some of the background noise that you're hearing. It's been outstanding, just fantastic. And sold out. A lot of chatter in the background, but so far I have not yet heard the woo-woo of a bachelorette party rolling down the street. Have either of you? Yeah, I saw a fire truck full of bachelorettes. I didn't know you could repurpose a fire truck as a party truck. That was really interesting to me. The thing that got our attention in Nashville was when they had a hot tub on the back of a truck. Oh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) I have to Uh, see that one. Interesting is the word, yes, exactly. (laughs) So I almost feel like in Nashville, the KPI is the bachelorette party index. Yeah, we're working on it, actually. I think it's a great idea, and we should see, you know, how many bachelorettes and, you know, what kind of vehicle and, you know, what is the profitability of that vehicle? Is a fire truck more profitable than a boat and on Isaac, wheels? Isaac will do the study <laughs> on the ground <laughs> every exactly Friday right. night. See, so, so the moral of the story is that there's data for everything. Exactly. And I want to dive in and start not to kind of bring the tone down, but I want to start talking about recession, of course, because... Hey, it's the, it's the biggest headline, recession, but I want to ask you more specifically. Well, have you noticed, Steph? It is no longer really headline. It's a subhead, right? And what we're hearing is that the R has gone to a little R. So not a headline, but a subhead capitalized with a lowercase r that's hurting every editorial sense in my body. Jan, do you agree? Lowercase r? So it's very interesting when the recession forecast from from tourism, it was very much mainstream and sort of common knowledge that yes, we would jump into or fall into a recession. That is no longer consensus. You know, the co-star tourism economics, Oxford economics, STR, house call for recession is now absolutely sort of on the fringes of the macroeconomic debate, um, a lot of people are saying, nope, it's going to be a soft landing, and therefore there it won't be a recession, capital R or small r, and so therefore we're fine. We're all good. One of the individuals I was talking with yesterday said, we're probably in a recession now. Looks pretty good. So yeah. in other words, we might not feel it. Exactly. The difference between a jump and a fall, I mean, you feel it. Stub your toe, stub your toe recession. Heard it here first. No, so I am not sure that that is actually going to come to pass. You heard Adam Sachs yesterday here on stage saying the forecast is for recession. It's going to be mild, but it's absolutely going to be a macroeconomic slowdown. I listened to the National Director for Capital Markets from CoStar giving a presentation that scared the pants of me, honestly, because he showed us a slide where basically every time the press and the Fed uses the term soft landing in press releases, back to the honestly 1990s, six months later we are indeed in a recession. So we've got this wrong almost every time. So I'm not quite sure we're out of the woods yet. I, I would agree. I think, oddly enough, I agree with you. Thanks. But I also think the impact of the hotel industry is going to be very different from past recessions. And I think that was pointed out by Adam and, and Tourism Economics, that there are mitigating factors that will make this recession, if it happens or doesn't, or with the slowdown, economic slowdown, less impactful in the hotel industry. And I think the reason those mitigators are, you know, business travel is not going to fall. 
business travel hasn't returned to fall. So it's almost like a tide coming in. The tide will continue to come in. It's just at a slower pace. Then we also have the international component, which is starting to come back, right? It's not back yet. So that's another mitigator. And then high income households continue to travel like never before, right? They still have the cash. They have the ability to travel and we don't see that stopping. And then I think there's, there's other people, we can go on and on, but I think there's an insulation piece there that protects the industry. That's why in our forecast, which we released here at HDC, we're continuing to show growth in the industry in, in terms of REFPAR and ADR. Yes, it's a little slower than what we predicted or what we were forecasting in May, but that's because we didn't anticipate the shift in travel demand and not an economic shift. It was a shift in travel demand that we just missed in the forecast side. So tell me more about that. We talked, you talked just a lot of macroeconomic <laughs> indicators, and so the forecast is down a little bit, but it's really m it's a very slight revision. Right. But drill down a little bit into the different price points, the different classes. Like, what is the STR perspective for the remainder of this year and next year? The, our perspective is that we're going to continue to see pretty strong growth. I would say, you know, solid to strong, depending on how you, your continuum there, in the higher end of the industry, the industry that had not returned. So upper upscale, your Sheratons, Marriott's, Hilton's of the world, which are now getting all that group business and getting more of that transient. We're also going to continue to see growth in the top 25 markets, the largest markets in the country. You've seen New York do very well. You start seeing Chicago come back. So that's, that's the Boston. driver. But what we're also seeing is, again, we, I don't want to use this word because we used it the last time, but we're seeing a normalization or back to seasonal patterns in the industry. And so it's affecting all other markets, markets that were really, really hot a year ago are now just getting back to where they used to be. And we see on the lower side, the lower chain scales, you're seeing demand drop. And again, we're, there's a lot more to unpack there. That would be a whole podcast as well. But, it, but it's a shift. It, that's the shift. That's the, re, the movement within the industry and how we're seeing it from the forecast standpoint. Yeah, so I think the full-service hotels coming back is certainly very visible. The business traveler is still not back 100%. We're still lacking the Agreed. international piece. You know, and Maybe we want to talk about that a little bit. I think that's a great part of the demand piece to pick apart a little bit, especially given this week's news that China finally lifted its ban on group travel to many locations, <laughs> many hot event group large-scale travel destinations around the globe, including North America. This has been that limiting factor that, you know, we have said over the last year, we're, we're not going to know what hits us when the return of the Chinese group traveler happens. What do we think is going to happen? Tell me more. I am actually quite bearish on that news. I am not as optimistic as the headline makes it sound for three reasons. Number one, I think we still have huge visa wait times. You know, Agreed. that is absolutely Agreed. a governing factor on getting people into the United States. The other piece that I read about is the fact that a lot of Chinese passports expire, you know, during the pandemic. Right. And people said, oh, I don't need your passport. I can travel anyway. So now you have this backlog of passports and once you get your passport then you got to get your visa and the third piece to me which is really critical is how do you get from china to the united states you have to fly through russian airspace and russian airspace is still closed while there's a conflict going on so you see in the news releases that korean air had uh, air, uh, airline their share price went way up because i think the chinese group traveler will first go within apac and then eventually will make its way, maybe through Dubai or who, <laughs> however, maybe through Tokyo to the West Coast. So yes, th I think we will see some 
positive impact, but I would not suggest that the floodgates are opening. And that will add added cost to the traveler from China, right? To make that, to go to South Korea, to make the stop. That's going to be an added cost side. Absolutely. And if you saw in the New York Times headline today, China is looking to be a much weaker economically. So, yeah, I even though they've opened it up, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm agree with you. I don't think we'll see an influx. But we are starting to see influx of, inter uh, or not influx, but we're starting to see growth in international travel. I was in Chicago last week. And I, I saw lots of foreign-speaking travelers in the hotel, and it was the first time in two or three years ago, oh, they're not speaking English, they're not speaking you know, German, they're speaking something totally different from an Asian country. So I think we're starting it, to see it. It is also, though, the summer vacation season. It Absolutely. is, of So I, I would take this with a, with a grain but of salt. But they you know? weren't there last year, so, they, so they're here this year, so that's right. important. That's fine, but are they going to be here next year? You know? Hopefully so, they will. So are they getting it out of their system and saying, oh, I couldn't travel to the States, now I'm doing it, and then it's like, wow, airfare is really high. Uh, the U European economies aren't doing so great, so they're getting their trip sort of out of their system. The you know? waves of pent-up demand mm -hmm. have been what's been really interesting to see coming out of the last two years, because exactly, you see a headline of, oh, this is open, we are going, whether it's U.S. travelers for leisure or business, but what we've become so much more tuned into over the last few years are what those other limiting factors are, right? Availability of airlift, right. cost, visa, who can travel and where are they traveling? So it's fascinating. It is very fascinating. And there's, again, as we've said, again, that's what makes uh, forecasting so difficult right now because there's so many moving pieces. It's not as easy as it used to be. I mean, I don't think forecasting was ever easy, but it was pretty, it was, a, a, you could write a nice model, an algorithm, algorithm, and you could get a number. Now you have to think about all this. Well, what do I just hear? How do I just that? How do we take into account all this? And in addition to that, you sometimes have data points that actually don't mesh. So right. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says, oh, airfare is slowing. The president of Delta is being asked in the second quarter call, hey, do you see airfare slowing? He's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, so what do I trust? <laughs> you know, the BLS obviously uses a sample, and Delta has very good insights <laughs> into their specific data set. I don't think that airfares are slowing, honestly. And to me, that always is very much part of the consumer's decision. The total cost of travel conversation, airfare plus hotel is my budget. And if I take more to spend on air, I have to then therefore spend less on hotel. Tell me more, but I'm shaking my head. <laughs> you no. absolutely so the share on hotel I'm spend is typically the highest. Right. But the people who are going to do that type of vacation, money is not a problem for them. And I keep going back to if you look at the number of households with 100,000 plus income, it's growing. Professional, if you look at employment, who's getting, who were the jobs being created? It's in the professional and information sectors, which tend to be higher paying jobs. I actually don't believe they're going to be impacted by higher airfares because it's nominally higher, and on a real basis, it's lower than it was several years yeah. ago. You're talking about the, the maybe the one percenters or what? I heard they're not the one percenters. <laughs> I'm the uh, we're not gonna. That's they're diff they're totally different. <laughs> I heard somebody return refer to them as the basis point, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. <laughs> but okay, fair enough on the higher end. But there are indeed other travelers. I think where budgets matter. Right. And I do think that higher airfare could curtail fly to demand maybe then it switches to drive to demand i think those the lower i think the lower end traveler is a drive traveler it's not a fly traveler so again i would say i don't believe that the airfares actually impact them because again i think and they're still pretty i mean i was i flew southwest i know you're looking at me like you're flying southwest but i, I actually do love southwest 
and you're seeing again a different type of traveler still on that flight it's not your traditional business traveler it's not your seasoned traveler so obviously the fares are still accommodating for someone on a lower income bracket we've talked so much about maybe that higher spending consumer um, the luxury segment in particular but what i'm curious about at this point 2023 we haven't talked a lot recently about the economy segment both supply and demand there because of course you know you saw a lot of demand for that during recession during that wave of pent-up revenge leisure travel where is the economy segment right now in terms of the supply demand ratio Jan I want to throw this your way so what we've seen is actually supply deceleration and demand deceleration and I am looking at that and I'm saying okay so and Isaac and I have this conversation tell me more about why would economy demand decline and I think there are two arguments one is very very positive it's just just like look people are paying a little bit more and they're upgrading to a mid-scale type property that is certainly a possibility I think the other piece which is I think maybe more true is that the some economy travelers were actually never economy travelers they were moving to an economy type property for six months a year two years and now that we see in the coaster data anyways one and two star apartment rents leveling out and one and two star apartment rents vacancies accelerate from 4.3 percent to 5.3 percent that doesn't sound like a lot to a hotel person but it is very meaningful for an apartment complex and on the lower end i could definitely see that apartment rents are eroding which then makes that economy stay customer go back to then living in an apartment so i always sort of the way i phrase it is like we never owned that customer anyways like it wasn't a traveler it was a living situation and i think yesterday on um, amanda's forecast That's panel right. the coo for extended state america said something in so many words that they are definitely watching that as well right and mixed they were shift but mix it, it's a mix shift, no it's doubt. a different type of mix shift and she ended with she was bullish for the future right i mean remember correctly i mean or was that g6 it might have been g6 who was very bullish about the future so yes they see the slowdown but they do think it's it's a temporary it is a shift in mix but they still see the outlook as very positive right i think part of that is and you hear this in the wyndham earnings calls all the time is because all the government programs you right know, shovel ready all right. that stuff that we heard about is infrastructure bill exactly right. is finally trickling exactly. down to oh now the construction workers are on the road where are they staying well in the right. economy type pr- properties. properties exactly right so yeah i think it just it, again it's a, just a temporary lull and then it'll come back but another thing we were looking at a great question yesterday on a panel regarding shared accommodations and its impact on uh economy and i thought it was a wonderful question which we're going to look into to see with our friends at air dna and jamie lane to say hey can we isolate what was the impact of shared accommodations or short-term rentals on the economy sector so where do all those circles intersect right. mm-hmm. what's really interesting about the uh, shared or the, the short-term rentals is they impact i think the opposite ends like the big homes on the beach that you rent impact the luxury side and then you may have the smaller units impacting the the economy side so we're going to try to be able to dissect that and see is there a story there and can we explain some of the differences in economy and even some of the difference in luxury this year because we've seen luxury actually come down to see is it people are just shifting again going having big family reunions and big homes on the beach 
I thought that part of the presentation was so fascinating where you broke it out or where Jamie broke out his data set into five plus and six plus bedroom yeah. homes and that their ADR is just skyrocketing and you have multi-generational uh, travel. Um, you know, and a lot of other uh, sort of demand sources that hotels arguably can't really accommodate. Right. You know, when you go, as you said, when you go to the beach with multiple families or what have you, you need multiple bedrooms and multiple. And you want to be rooms. together, right? Exactly. So, and that was the paradigm for that long before there was uh, Airbnbs, right? Because oh. you'd go to Hilton Head, that was how you where you stayed. Yeah, so absolutely. it's it's just different now. I thought the biggest thing, the biggest aha, was the increase in uh, total accommodations for. Uh, uh, short-term rentals, right? Because we had dropped down to about 12%. Well, let's go back. Prior to COVID, it was 9%. So 9% of all accommodations was in a short-term rental. It's now up to 14%. And we're projecting with both AirDNA and STR that it's going to get up to 15%. And that's kind of scary because that's demand that's now shifted. Again, most of it is in bigger units, but it's still also rising in the one-bedroom studios, which are most alike mm -hmm. hotels. So, yeah, I think there is something there. However, um, I think that we should not underestimate the return of the corporate customer. You know, I, I work for you work for SDR, I work right. for uh, for CoStar. You know, we're in the concur system. If we need to uh, book an accommodation, we absolutely cannot book a five-bedroom house, right? We right. get our standard brands, and that's it. So the corporate transient customer can never go there. The other piece that I wanted to talk about on on that idea of mix shift is um, Lenny, uh, Lenny Oberg from uh, Marriott mentioned this in the earnings call. I thought it was so insightful. She said, hey, our luxury ADRs are deteriorating. Why is that? It's not that we're cutting rate. It's because we're selling fewer high-end resort rooms and more urban luxury rooms, which are traditionally at a lower rate. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Let me dig into that. And indeed, we can show this for the total United States, that for the last five months, luxury ADRs have decreased why is that? Well, because luxury urban properties have seen their share increase and luxury resort properties are evening out. That makes sense. I mean, again, and we're seeing, again, those urban properties are in top 25 markets that are just now coming back. Yeah. And then you have the whole mix shift. You're getting some transient, traditional group transient, or you're also tr transient and group. I got to say that correctly. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shift. Again, it's like it's all reversal the mean right it's going all back I mean I don't want to use the other word that we've been using a lot so we're trying new words when we speak next roughly a month or so we're going to be summer demand season will be behind us moving into the fall budget season looking at the q3 q4 you know traditionally pretty robust business transient and group calendar what do you think we'll be talking about a month from now Taylor Swift yeah, that would be great. But That's I think the story that never ends. <laughs> I think we're going to be talking about the return of strength in groups again. Because I'm hearing from some of our hoteliers and friends that fall is going to be strong. And I think we're going to be talking group. Group, the group. The wait list for the hotel data conference was 100 plus 200, people. I thought. 200, 200 people. people. So if you listen to this today, <laughs> yeah. you know, sign up as soon as it opens up because it will sell out again next year. And I think that's sort of, and I'm sort of tongue-in-cheek, you know, promoting us. But I think the tenor here is to say, look, we have definitely seen that corporate transient demand is not fully back, but group demand is roaring. Why is that? And I use this term of cost per contact, right? We are getting together, not in five different trips and five different offices, but hey, let's just meet at the hotel data conference and have five meetings, and my cost per contact is so much cheaper. 
But you know, it's not only the cost per contact, but it's what you learn, right? So Absolutely. just talking to people, again, we're in the forecast side, we're in the data and analytics side, but talking to people gives me ideas of what I should be looking at, or, yeah, they don't care about that, mm. that's not worth my time, and then you get these little nuggets and saying, you should look at this, mm. that really makes yeah. sense. And you can't get that sitting in an office just by yourself, mm. right? You cannot get that kind of input and insight that, that helps us do our jobs. And I want to add here at the Hotel Data Conference, and we didn't say it when we were talking about the little R, that the, the feeling is still very optimistic. Again, I'm not sensing people with fear. Mm -hmm. Are they preparing for it? Of course they are. But they're not fearful like we would have been in 2008 and 2009 when everything was falling and we, you know, no one knew where the end would be, or even in March of 2020 when we didn't know when COVID would end. Yeah, and we're having these conversations w with our clients, with You're our right. customers, and, and we walk up and down the hallway, and you know, we're saying, so you heard this data set that we're presenting, tell me more, what do you think? Right. And then they're saying, well, I th we think it's pretty okay. Right. Exactly. So we are going to drop a link to all of the Hotel Data Conference coverage that Jan and Isaac have been talking about today in the show notes for this episode. And I want to add that when we speak again in a month, I think that return to office wave is going to be another topic we heard this right. week. Zoom, back to the office. No more Zoom for Zoom. So on that note, I'm going to say thanks, guys, and see you next time. Thanks see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Want more of the latest news and insights from across the global hotel industry? Head to hotelnewsnow.com for up-to-the-minute breaking news and subscribe to the new Hotel News Now podcast to hear directly from industry leaders. Available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find podcasts.